0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray from the medical school headquarters. And as always, I'm joined by Brian from Next Step Test Prep. And this week, we're starting off a sequence of episodes all about physics, one of the hardest subjects on the MCAT. So we're gonna dive into some physics, to help you on your Mcat. Let's go ahead and jump right in. All right, Brian, we're back. Last four episodes or so, we've covered psych soc, more of the "quote unquote easier softer sciences. Now, we've reversed gears and we're going to we're going to hit it hard with some physics questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right? Go to the complete other end of the scale where instead of the softest, it's the hardest of the hard sciences and you know, give the listeners about a month of physics practice.
0: What makes physics so hard for students?
1: Well, so there's the metaphorical hard science, meaning there's a lot of numbers and kind of fact or truth to it, the, what, the way scientists would describe it. I mean, I think it's hard for MCAT students to... Um, Number one, because of the math, right? I mean, some students that just not tend to be very mathy, and certainly not under pressure, right? You got no calculator on test day, and these days everybody has a phone in the hand, but in their hand by the time they're like two years old, which has a calculator function, right? So, um, I thought it was bad but all the way back in the '90s when they started allowing calculators on the SAT. Now I feel like a dinosaur, like now everybody's got calculators all the time. So that that's a part of it. Um, and then on top of it, there's also a lot of students tend to take physics, either, you know, AP physics in high school or they take it as freshmen. They get it out of the way really early. And of course, then when they roll around to their MCAT junior year, senior year, even after college, it's been a long time since they've taken the MCAT. Uh, so since they've taken physics, excuse me. Um, and then finally, it's also that physics is just kind of the the orphan science that it lives over on the side in in a way that it doesn't often in in an obvious way directly plug into chem and orgo and biochem and bio and you can create this whole matrix of all your other classes where the info kind of relates to each other and then over there on the side you have physics asking you questions about shooting cannonballs in the air
0: yeah <laughs> and and to boxes on incline or, or decline um ramps with some random coefficient of friction
1: hmm right, exactly. Um, so I figured we'd get a little practice in and, and review some of the underlying concepts over the next se- a few sessions for for folks.
0: All righty. So as always, if you want to follow along with us, you can get the handouts at the MCATpodcast.com. Go to session 88, where these will live. So I'll start here with question six, and I will warn you right off the, the bat that I probably will not get any of these right, so... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that is my burden to bear. Uh, question six. By what factor does the period of oscillation of a pendulum change when its length is extended from one centimeter to nine centimeters? Oh, okay. pendulum questions. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in the length has gone up by nine.
1: Yeah, factor on nine. So just generally, Ryan, if you have a, a pendulum that's a lot longer, do you imagine that it would talk back and forth or swing back and forth faster or slower? Slower. Right, it's going to slow down. Yep. And period, we want to remember, is the time it takes to oscillate all the way out and then back again. Yeah. So if it's going to go slower, then the period would have to do what?
0: Um, it would have to... Uh increase as well wait no yeah yeah more yeah yeah it takes time. you more time yeah to
1: talk out and back in yeah yep.
0: all right so let's so read if- the answers here real quick so its original period is multiplied by 0.33 so that doesn't make sense because that would mm-hmm. slow it down its original period is multiplied by 2 uh, is b c is multiplied by 3 or d is multiplied by 9 so now you just have to know the equation for period and figure that out. Mhm.
1: Yep. So we said it's going to slow down, which means it's going to take more time. So yeah. like you said, it has to be B C or D. It's going to take more time. Yeah. And just thinking about how equations are arranged, if you take one of the variables and give it a 9x, multiply it by 9, our okay. our choices right here are 2 3 and 9.
0: Yeah. So, so is I- there one of- I I would I would guess D just because it's multiplied by nine as well. So if you figure there's some like random one X and X's uh, pendulum Mm -hmm. length, then.
1: Sure. So nine would be the directly proportional answer. That's a good one. Yep. And if if it were three, that would tell you what would be the relationship between those variables would be a third. Yeah. or, Or more likely squared.
0: Right. Oh, okay. like oh yeah, a, yeah. Squared. A yep.
1: Square yep. or square root. Right. Yep. That would explain a triple, a three x versus a nine x. And then for answer choice B, multiplied by two, so like a two x factor. That's the one that doesn't seem to to fit. Right. Yeah. Why would nine xing one of your variables give you a two x multiple, a double multiple on another variable? And eh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So yep. even if you couldn't remember the equation, probably it's C or D. Yep. Uh, and in this case, it's C because of the square root relationship, that the period is proportional to the square root of the length. So when you multiply the length times 9, period goes up by 3. The exact equation for the folks that are interested is period represented by capital T. T equals 2 pi times the square root of L over G, where L is length and G is gravity. Okay. Let's take a look at the next question. A spring system shown below, and that's just a little diagram of a mass on the end of a spring, uh, resting horizontally on a table. A spring system is shown below with mass m representing the mass attached to the spring, k representing the spring constant, and x denoting the distance stretched or compressed from the spring's equilibrium position. What expression gives the minimum value For the magnitude of velocity of the mass after the system is stretched and released. What, you know, I'm going to read that one more time. What expression gives the minimum value for the magnitude of velocity of the mass after the system is stretched and released? So, you think of like a, um, A pinball machine. I don't know if anyone plays pinball anymore. I I grew up playing pinball. And that little spring with the plunger on it, you pull the plunger out when you want to shoot the ball. And you let it go. And the little thing goes, you know, it vibrates a little bit right after you let it go. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what they're imagining, asking us to imagine. Right? A mass on the end of a spring, you pull it out, let it go. It vibrates back and forth. What's the minimum velocity of of the mass on the end of the spring? And here are our choices. Zero. One half kx squared, x times the square root of k over m, or x squared k over m. So we got some various algebraic representations here involving k and x and m.
0: Yeah, and I think springs were one of the things that I hated most in physics. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't know why, but I just never jived with them, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So fair enough.
1: they can still show up on the MCAT because that what they'll say is they'll say stuff like, um, bone is slightly compressible and can be modeled as a spring, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they still do show up on the MCAT for sure. Yeah. Um, so the thing we want to know Ryan here is that when you oscillate back and forth, whether you're a spring, that's kind of vibrating back and forth, or like shocks on a car, uh, bouncing up and down, or whether you're a pendulum swinging back and forth in any kind of periodic motion like this, you want to be aware of what happens at the extremes. So when the pendulum swings all the way up or when the spring, uh, compresses all the way down, uh, or vice versa, and what happens in these periodic motion systems at the extremes um, I mean, you said you don't like springs, Ryan, so we can, like, let's set that aside and just model it as a pendulum. Mm-hmm. When the mass swings all the way up yeah. in a pendulum, what happens to velocity?
0: It goes to zero.
1: Yeah, it stops moving for just a second, yep. right? And then it turns around and it starts swinging back down. Same thing here. This looks like a crazy algebra rearrangement something something question, when the reality was you just had to know one concept about how periodic motion works, which is at the extremes, you stop for a second, turn around, and start going back. Mm-hmm. So the answer's A, with no algebra at all.
0: Oh, that's a trick one.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's tricky. It's not It's, not, yeah. it's not so, literally a trick question. But. So
0: where do, uh, if if a student were to to get this wrong, what's the most common wrong answer here?
1: Um... You know, I would have to. I could log back in. These are taken from the Next Step Q Bank. So if you're in the, if you sign up for the Next Step class or you buy the Next Step uh, pack of ten full lengths, that comes with the Q Bank bundled in for free. So this is taken from the Next Step Physics Q Bank. There's actually um, bar graphs that show you like how many students chose each answer choice, so you can like you know kind of compare your performance to others. Um, I'm afraid I don't have it right in front of me, so okay. I can't tell you. Although uh, these answer choices, one half kx squared, answer choice B, is something that students should recognize. uh, And that's a measure of the energy stored in a spring. So students might see that and kind of like trip off a little bit of memory in the back of their head and pick that. um, But that's not the minimum uh, possible velocity. Okay. Yep.
0: All right, question 10. A certain elastic coil has a spring constant of a uh, of a hundred newtons per meter. How much uh, must this spring be stretched in order to store the same amount of energy held by a fifty kilogram mass at rest one meter above the surface of the earth? <laughs> I love all these springs and masses all over the place on the on our planet, so the answers are a ten centimeters b thirty one centimeters. C, 3.1 meters, or D, 10 meters? Mm-hmm.
1: So this is a, a two-step problem, right? Uh, very often we, we think of students will make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, the discrete questions, they don't have any passages. That means they're easier. Right? Well, not necessarily, because there can be multiple steps involved. Okay. right? So here it said, I actually want to peel the question apart starting at the end. It said the same amount of energy held by a 50 kilogram mass one meter above the surface of the earth so let's just start by figuring how much energy is that so there's an equation for energy um which students should definitely remember a potential energy uh, above the surface of the earth which is energy equals mgh right m for mass 50 g for gravity 10 which of course you just walk in knowing uh, and h uh it said Fifty kilogram mass at rest, one meter above the surface of the Earth. So fifty times ten times one, and we've got five hundred joules of energy. So that's the first step, right? Is you got to recall your your gravity equation, apply it, get five hundred joules of energy. Mm-hmm. Then you can reread the question, knowing now that what you need is five hundred joules of energy. It says spring constant of a hundred. So that's the k, the stiffness, the spring constant, one hundred. How much stretch do we need to get 500 joules of energy? And so that's the next part you got to remember, which is the energy stored in a spring is one-half kx squared. So 500 joules equals one-half kx squared. And k, you were told, is 100. 100. So uh, you just do a little bit of algebra, right? You've got 500 equals one-half kx squared. Multiply the one-half over um, or multiply both sides by two. So then you have 1,000 equals kx squared. And remember, k was 100. Mm -hmm. So you've got 1,000 equals 100x squared. Divide the 100 over. You've got x squared equals 10. And then what's the square root of 10? You don't have to know exactly. But you should know that three squared is nine, yep, so it's right right about three is your answer
0: so where so you have thirty one centimeters on here and three point one meters mm-hmm. is that a very common thing that students will get tripped up on the the yeah things there? yeah you
1: got Got to watch your units. The units, yeah. (laughs) That's the word I was thinking of. (laughs) Got to watch your units, yeah. And typically, you're going to be working in SI units on the MCAT. So the base unit for length is meter. So if you're doing your math and you get to 3, unless at some point you converted everything to something else, then the answer when you get to us about 3 is 3 meters, answer choice C. Um, And you can see that in the question, right? The spring constant was expressed as 100 newtons per meter, so that you know, oh, okay, I'm working in meters.
0: All right, so the the big take-home message here is know all of the equations for springs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, of course, know all of the equations, period. But certainly when you're doing physics, that's going to be a big part of the problem solving.
0: Yeah. All right, so there you have it. Again, physics for the MCATs. Next week, we'll dive into our second episode of physics, followed by three and, yes, you guessed it, four. We can count up to four here on the MCAT Podcast. I hope this was helpful for you. We also have coming up a episode after our fourth episode, um, a discussion about how on the MSAR, the medical school admissions requirements, the average MCAT score increased by a lot. And we're gonna talk about why that happens or why we think that happened. So stay tuned for the next several weeks. We're gonna talk all about physics, And then we'll talk about the MSAR and those increases as well as one other episode thrown in there in the middle. Don't forget to check out everything that Next Step Test Prep has to offer. They are the premier place to get your full-length test prep exams, your full-length MCAT exams. When you are preparing for the MCAT, one of the golden Ways like the golden way, or whatever you call that, the the best ways, the gold standard. That's what I was trying to think of. The gold standard way of preparing is to do practice full lengths. Now, the Double AMC has their full lengths that you can buy from them. Yes, it's kind of weird. They make you pay for the MCAT, and then they make you pay for the prep material. They make you pay for the MSR and so much more. And uh, so the the Double AMC they make the MCATs, and so they their test writers also have practice exams that you can buy directly from them. You can buy three practice exams plus a sample test that's not scored. Now, there are conversion tables and other things online that you can find, but don't trust those. So you have up to four full-length exams that you can get from AMC. Next Step offers 10 full-length exams, including a half length diagnostic and one free full-length. If you go to Next Step testprep.com you can use the promo code MCATPOD that's all capital letters m-c-a-t-p-o-d to save some money on your full-length exams or sign up to get the half-length diagnostic and the free one free full-length as well so thank you for checking out the MCAT podcast and don't forget to go check out next up test prep and everything that they can offer you to help you on your MCAT test day have a great week we'll see you next time here for another episode of physics